But if you're a guest with us, we want to welcome you. It's such an honor to have you uh, with us tonight. Uh, my name is Aaron, and my beautiful wife Katie is serving in Purpose Kids tonight. And uh, we just so love you and are thankful that um, you would spend your, your Sunday nights with us or maybe even come alongside of us and, and uh, see the vision that God's given us to come to pass. And uh, we don't take that lightly, and so thank you for that. We're going to mix things up tonight, and um, I thought that we would uh, jump right into this word because before I feel like the Lord gives me anything else to say, I wanted to uh, bring this series, Be Present, not to a close, because this isn't a close, uh, but more so uh, a finish, but allowing it room and space to become foundational for us as a church. You see, the thing that I believe is that the, the idea of series is like, oh, there's a beginning and the end. I never want to get to a place where we conclude anything, because if we really are teaching the Word of God, then it should be inspiring us and calling us to go forth with a new sense of purpose. It should be foundational in the way that we live our life. And, and more so specifically for this series, to be present is not just something that we want to create as a good idea. It's not a tagline that we want to throw up on the wall. It's really truly an, a part of who we are. It's what God is calling us to be as His church, is to be a church that is truly present. And so my, we might be concluding this series, but we're not closing the door on it. We're actually asking God to continue to show us how to become a present church in a time like now. And so tonight, this is week six of Be Present, and we're going to talk about the subject matter of being ready. We're going to talk about being ready. And you know, the series was birthed out of uh, a word that I felt like the Lord gave me for the church, not just our church. I've been very clear in that recently that uh, anyone who would uh, be so courageous to invite me to come in and just pretty much wreck uh, the, the ideals that they, maybe they've built their church on, I'd be happy to do so. It's a, it's a word for the church for right now. And, uh, and, the, and the word is simply this. If, you've, if you want to catch up real quick, let me just bring you up to speed. It's this. Is, this is not a time for his church to be silent nor is it a time for his church to be louder. It's a time for his church to be present, to be present. And uh, I believe to truly learn to be present, we had to learn some postures. I thought it would be like three weeks of talking about these postures. It turned out that some of them took three weeks to get through. Some of them we did a tag team on, and tonight we'll hopefully get through the last one. But we had to learn how to be still. And I don't think it's something we've just arrived at. I think it's a posture in which we continuously strive to create room of stillness in our life. Anybody found that their weeks are getting a little bit quieter and a little bit more still than they once were? My hope is that that would be the case. My hope is that you'd find maybe a new algorithm in your week and there would be a result that would say, man, you've been more still than you've ever been which means that you've probably heard more from the Word of God and the presence of God than you ever have. Or you've sensed His presence like, like never before. And so we had to learn the posture of stillness. And, and then we, we, we talked about uh, in our tag team week uh, the, the posture of being available. And, and what it truly means to make ourselves available to God like Isaiah did. Here I am, Lord, send me like Abraham did. I don't know where we're going, but I'm going to go. And like so many others throughout Scripture, and so many of you have made yourself available to the things of God, and as a result, you've seen God use you mightily in ways you never imagined. I, for one, can tell you that I'm a byproduct of that. 
my family is a byproduct of just making ourselves available. We kind of have this slogan, do whatever it is that God's called us to do like it's forever, but know that it's not, which just means that we're all in. We're all in. I went to England. I served as, an in, uh, as a youth pastor doing an internship, and I came back, and you would have thought I was from England. I had the accent and everything. I moved to L.A., and I got as West Coast as West Coast gets, man. We're all in. Surf's up, baby. I'll tell you what, I know more about nasty, dirty tacos than you do, and they're the best. I ain't even lied to you. I was talking earlier to Elion. She just got back from L.A., and she's like, you weren't lying. The tacos there are legit. Listen, you haven't had a real taco until you found a hole in the wall in either Van Nuys or Long Beach. Literally, you just turned, or like, you went out one door, and you hung a right, and there's this, like, little crevice, and there's a dude back there just whooping up the best tacos you've ever had in your life. And I've lived in the South, and I'm all in, y'all. I'm about it. Friday nights and everything. We all about it. You see, the thing is, is that, 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 that we can all say that at some point in our life, God is going to ask us to make ourselves available. The question is, are we postured in such a way that we could say yes? And then tonight, tonight we're going to learn to be ready. To be ready. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but in the beginning of this series, we, we looked at this text that Paul wrote to his young disciple, Timothy. And uh, Timothy has actually become quite a fun read for me over the last couple of weeks. I've been doing a, another study on, on Timothy, and maybe it was inspired because I, I, I use this text in, in this series. But, but specifically in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, I'm only going to read to you 2 Timothy 3 and 1. It says this, it says, you should know this, Timothy. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Maybe your translation says perilous times. And I said that as he was encouraging him about what was in store for him. You see, Paul was writing to Timothy. He was writing with the intention of, of encouraging him and preparing him and helping him to see what was in store for him. What was on the horizon, what he might deal with, what he might uh, be asked to help others walk through and to to deal with and to face. And, and that was just simply the, the idea that, that there was going to be some hard times ahead. And, and he wanted him to understand and, and to know what it meant to help people through those hard times. And I think it is as much for Timothy as it is for us today that we could all agree that hard times are, in fact, upon us. There's difficult times. Unless you've never experienced a hard time, if that's the case, can we switch seats? You should be up here, and I'm going to be sitting there listening to you. I mean, if we're really being honest, right, we could all say, man, we've either been through a hard time, we're going through a hard time, or we're expecting one tomorrow. But the thing is, is that there's some things that we can do to prepare us for these hard times. And what I think is so crucial to this, to this series, to this posture, to this, to this word, is that as even when we started this series, we learned that Paul wasn't talking about the governments or the systems in his letter. He wasn't talking about Rome or the latest party that had just taken office. He wasn't talking about the local government or the school systems or any of that. He, he wasn't doing that. He was talking about the hearts of man. If you want to go back and read the rest of that passage of Scripture, you can. It's, I think it's 1 through 9 or 11, something like that. And as many of you know, there's this, this, this artist that I've been following, Ty Tribbett, and, 
he stated that there is no cure for the hearts of man besides Jesus himself. There's no cure. There's no cure for the hearts of man. There's no cure for the brokenness, for the, for the, for the, for the hurting, for the disenfranchised, for, for the downtrodden heart than, than Jesus himself. That's why we just said that, Jesus. I don't care what you say. I'm living proof that it was only because of Jesus that my life was saved. It was Jesus. My mom prayed a lot. She dragged me to church against my will. Kind of felt like my mom was one of the guys on the mat just dragging me. I didn't want to go. That dude seemed like he was kind of in for the ride. I was scratching and clawing and kicking and screaming and cursing. Just a word of encouragement. Don't, don't curse your mom. Yet over these last few weeks, my prayer has been that we wouldn't look to the systems of this world. Because if we did and we do, then it will only divide us even more so. But rather, we would go to Jesus. That we would learn how to navigate through the hard times we might face by learning to be still in his presence. By being available to him so that those around us might be able to see Jesus in us and know Jesus like we do. You know, and I shared this recently that somebody asked me about my agenda when I have coffee with them. And I, I've, I've said this frankly, I didn't ever really have an agenda, but I did. I just didn't tell anybody I had an agenda. And I felt guilty about that, kind of. And something recently just come over me, you know, I, I maybe call it growth, call it not really caring anymore about what people think. I do, but I don't. I have an agenda. And I think it's found in what I really feel like my life's call is and my purpose here. And that is to help you know Jesus like I know him. And to do whatever I can to help you discover that, that he does, in fact, have a purpose for you and for you to begin to walk that purpose out. And I want to be very clear in that purpose isn't a destination that we arrive at. Purpose is a discovery. And it's a lifelong journey that we get to walk out. Not just by ourselves, but with one another. With you, with each other, with the person to your left, to your right, with your discipleship group, with whomever God's placed in and around your life. And that we might together make disciples who are on fire to do the same exact thing. That's it. Which I think then helps us to be ready. And it helps us maybe understand what our last posture really, really entails. So I'd ask you, are you ready? Or as a song might say, is you ready? I won't sing any more of that song because I, rest, I read the rest of the lyrics and I thought I'd get in real trouble. I always use the bad songs my wife's out. And then I get, you know, talk, uh, talking to when she goes back and listens. it. She goes, you did not use the lyrics for that song. I didn't mean to. It just happened. This time I meant to because I was really thinking about, are you ready? Is you ready? Whole squad ready. Anyway, you're good. Take, 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 take five. You my squad. I'm in trouble already. So to help us be ready, I want to take a look at Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul's second letter 
to the church in Corinth, Paul was responsible for finding or founding or he was the founder of the church in Corinth. I think this particular portion of this letter embodies these last few weeks, and I think it will help us be ready to be present. I think this letter will help us be ready to be present. And it goes like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. I'm going to read to you the New Living Translation. You can follow along in your own Bibles, or you can follow along on the screens to my left or right. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. I think it would be worth your time to just go ahead and highlight, underscore, parenthesize, circle, draw arrows to God is our merciful Father, and He is the source of all comfort. Really quickly, that word merciful is also translated to mean compassionate. Maybe that's what your translation says. Or gracious Father. So in other words, God is our compassionate or graceful or merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Verse 4 says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Huh. Huh. He comforts us in all of our hard times, in all of our perilous times. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that there's no period there. He comforts me in all my troubles so I can just live in a trouble-free life all by myself. But yet he, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, that doesn't sound like fun, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Well, that sounds better. Verse 6 says, even when we're weighed down with troubles, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. What is going on here, Paul? This doesn't, this doesn't sound fun. Just hold on for a second. Stay with me. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Verse 8. Watch this. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the troubles we went through in the province of Asia. I want to just take a, a pause here for a moment. I, I actually searched for what Paul was referring to in Scripture. Like literally, I, I, did, I did a Bible search, Bible study on my own, just kind of for fun. And then I read a bunch of commentaries. And not a single person can figure out what specific time Paul was referring to here. But I think it's fascinating that he invites us in on moments where he endured or experienced troubled times. Just as a point of reference. We were crushed, he says, and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. That sounds kind of familiar, a bit like our friend Elijah. Doesn't it? Isn't it interesting that we could be in as old a testament as Elijah was and as new a testament as Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and we can find the same vernacular. Like we were 
crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. I don't know about you, but I know what my limits are when it comes. Like today, we were lifting weights to failure. But we have to make no mistake about the physical weights that our bodies can handle with spiritual weight. There's physical weight our body's designed to handle and to be stretched to new heights. But we have to understand God never called us to carry the spiritual weight that will cripple us and cause us to fall out. But as a result, he says, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God. Who, oh, by the way, raises the dead. Just going to throw that in there. You know, the, the one who just raises from the dead. Like, we're just going to add that in for a little extra bonus. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. It's like mortal combat's in here. We got... We got Lord of the Rings happening like this is for real. And he will rescue us again. Like, I'm going to read that. I think I need to just read this whole thing. again. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and we learn to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. It's like Sally said, he did actually rescue me. He did actually heal me. How quickly I forgot I had stage two cancer and I was healed. How quickly I just, oh, just gone. And so if you rescued me once, Paul says he'll rescue us again. And we have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. That's three times. He rescued us, will rescue us again and continue to rescue us. Come on, somebody. You need to hear that. You're like, I'm stuck in the middle of this wide open ocean with just a little life raft. No one to rescue me. He'll rescue you. Oh, here I am again. He'll rescue you again. Oh, third time's a charm. He says, and he'll rescue you again and again and again and again. And you are helping us by praying for us, he says. Paul, Paul, Paul's so good. He's like, and by the way, you're helping us because you continue to pray for us. Whether you're not, just a reminder, you should. And if you are. Appreciate you. Deuces. Then many people, watch this, many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Many people will continue to hear the word of God. Many people will come to know Jesus. Many people will discover that he has a purpose for life. Many people will celebrate the goodness of God. Many people will be in desperate situations learning to speak Jesus over their situation. Many people will be on a mountaintop being reminded to celebrate Jesus in the celebration. Many people will be able to because you continue to pray, but also because our God continues to rescue Let me just summarize this for you. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And I want to highlight two words in this text that really grab my attention. Two words. Comforter, which is the Greek word for periklesis, a calling to one's aid. An encourager or an encouragement or a comforter or a comfort, comfort. That's what comforter stands for, periklesis. It's important to remember this word, okay, because in a few moments I'm going to add another layer to you and it might just blow your mind. Number two, the other word that really stood out to me was trouble, or your translation might say affliction. And that Greek word is thalipsis, which to, is to mean persecution, affliction, distress, tribulation, trouble, all, all, on the outward and also in the inward states of mind. So, really quickly, 
bonus question, not the big question tonight, but bonus question. Are you in trouble right now? Are you afflicted? Have you felt persecuted? Have you experienced affliction? Are you in distress? Are you in the midst of a tribulation or a troubled time? Maybe it's on the outward. Maybe it's in the inward state of your mind. If that's the case, just hold on for a second. Because what Paul is saying is that God is the source of all comfort. He's a source of all comfort from all persecution, all affliction, all distress, all tribulation, and all trouble. Both in the outward and inward states of your mind. If, in fact, he is a source of all comfort, if, in fact, if it is true that God is real and he is, in fact, the source of all comfort, then I think it begs us to ask the question, or maybe it begs me to ask the question to you. What affliction has God brought you through? Or what affliction would you like him to bring you through? What trouble has God brought you through? What trouble would you like God to bring you through? Maybe a better way of saying it is, what affliction has God comforted you through? That's the big question of the day, of the week. What affliction has God comforted you through? Or, maybe for some of us, what affliction would you like God to comfort you through? And while you're thinking about that, I want to share some thoughts with you. I came across this thought in my study this week, and, and I thought that it would help us to understand Paul and his writing on the subject of comfort and affliction. He says this, Paul writes as a man who knows trouble to those who are in trouble. Isn't that encouraging? To have a, a guy who's willing to, to speak from the places he's experienced or been or walked or endured. A, a man who's faced trouble, been in trouble, found himself distressed, afflicted, all of the things that summarize or define affliction. He, he's, he's experienced them. So, so here we have a man who knows trouble, who is writing to those who are in trouble or who are about to embark on some troubled times or are living in some perilous times. Those who are enduring hard times, maybe as we read of his letter to Timothy. There's, again, just so many comparisons to what we read in Scripture, isn't there? I think Proverbs says that there's nothing new under the sun. But it goes on to say this. Most translations use the word for affliction, uh, uh, the Greek word for affliction, that uses uh, thalipsis, which is the word I just described to you. In ordinary Greek, this word always describes actual physical pressure on a man. Okay? Uh, R.C. Trench, I don't know who that is, but he writes, When according to the ancient law of England, those who willfully refused to plead had heavy weights placed on their chests and were so pressed and crushed to death. This was literally thalipsis. It would be like if we were standing here and we just kept adding weight to my shoulders. Just weight upon 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 weight to the point where you're literally in the room watching my shoulders begin to crush and my chest begin to cave in and my body begin to 
be un, be unab- un, unable, unavailable, unable, unavailable as well, unable to endure the weight that's being added. That's the picture that we're trying to paint here. And yet, we find that God, our merciful Father, our compassionate, gracious Father, is the source of all comfort. That because of his unconditional love for you and for me, he put all the weight, listen to this, all the weight, not on you or on me, but on his son, Jesus, to bear, and he was crushed with all that weight. Now, can you imagine carrying around just my weight? I used to weigh 250 pounds. We had this thing in the gym where they like to put weight vests on us and like make us run around and do workouts with them. And for the longest time, I'd never do it because I didn't want to be reminded of what 250 pounds felt like. I worked really hard to not be 250 anymore. Like I, it was a lot of work and effort. But I wondered what it would feel like to just carry around 250 again for a moment. Because that wouldn't even scratch the surface or come close to the kind of weight that we're referring to as it as it pertains to the life in which I've lived, the many times I've messed up, I've sinned, I got it wrong, I cheated on somebody, or I cheated somebody, or I sold a little kid drugs that I didn't even know what the outcome might have been, or I might have treated my mom the wrong way, or my father the wrong way, or I disrespected my wife or my friends, or I just cut somebody off on my way to church. All of the times, if there was stock in all of the weight, all of the stuff, that I have done, and then it was thrown back on my shoulders, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't, there's no way. There's n- now think about that. Just my weight. Do a quick analysis of your weight. Some of you are like, please, I don't want to. Some of you are just like, man, I'm just trying to get through today. I don't know if I got time to go back tomorrow, next, last week, last year, last quarter, last century. But I want you to understand something here. Is that God, our merciful Father, is the source of all comfort. And because of his unconditional love for us, he put all the weight on his son Jesus. Not just all my weight, but all your weight. And your weight, 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 and I'm exhausted just telling, just saying your weight. And my man just said, "Bring it on, I got you. Hold, hold my coffee. Hold my coffee." He was crushed. He was afflicted. He bore the weight of our trouble or the trouble we have caused. Isn't that amazing? All the weight. All the weight that you're carrying around, even right now, that is crushing you. All the weight that's crushing you on the inside, all the weight that might even quite possibly be crushing on, this, on the outside. Jesus says, would you, would you put it on me? Would you trust me with it? I can handle it. He says, I'm going to put it on myself so that you can be free from it, so I could be free from it, so that we could be free from it. Can I ask you a question tonight? What kind of weight are you carrying around right now?
you know, certain streets, that's, that's some kind of question. I don't think that's the same question in John's Creek. Kind of weight you carry. Well, I've lied a couple times. I s- stole a little bit. I've been cheating here, and I've been cheating there, and I've struggled with this, this addiction, and I struggle with that addiction. And, man, I've been disobedient to this person. I've been di- disrespectful of that person. What kind of weight you carry? What kind of weight you carry? And is it weighing you down? You know, I can handle it. Okay. Good luck with that. What kind of weight are you carrying? Come on, what? let's be honest with ourselves. Because here's the thing that Jesus says, why are you carrying that still, man? What, what are you doing? Like, what were you thinking? I got you. I told you I got you. Why would you pick that up again? Why are you still carrying that thing? Why are you still carrying that guilt? Why are you still carrying that shame? Why are you still carrying that, that disappointment? Why are you still carrying that letdown? I got you. I got you. Why would you scoop that thing back up again? You like walked down there, laid it, had a moment, and you're like. Like it's almost like you can't live without it. Come on, God wants you to let it go. He wants you to know that he can handle it. You don't have to carry it anymore. He wants you to experience forgiveness. He wants you to experience freedom. He wants you to know that he loves you that much. That God is the most merciful, compassionate, gracious father. He wants you to experience comfort in all things. But watch this now. Then he goes on to say this. He comforts us in our affliction, in our trouble, all of them so that we might be able to comfort those and their afflictions. With the same comfort he has given each of us. What? That's crazy. You mean me? You think I could comfort somebody? You could use me to bring comfort to somebody going through a troubled time, through affliction, through a depressed state, through an addiction? Yeah, you! Because I saw you drop it and I walked you through it. Now I want to use you to help others drop theirs and walk them through it. I believe that one of God's purposes in our times of trouble, and I believe that God has purpose for everything that we endure. Everything that we go through, God has use of. He can use it for his glory. He can make it good. It doesn't matter how bad you think it is. God can use it for his purpose and for his glory. And I believe that one of God's purposes in our times of trouble or affliction is that we would experience direct personal comfort from God. And then from that experience, be able to minister God's comfort to others. Here's the thing, you won't be able to give them the complete comfort that God will, but God surely has use of you to be a vessel, a conduit of his grace and of his comfort and of his love to a point in which they will come to a place where they will come to know Jesus personally like you do and discover that he loves them just as much as you, not because you sing better or talk louder or look nicer, simply because you're a son and daughter of God in whom he loves so much. But yet he wants to use you to ensure that others around you know that he loves them too so much. What is truly fascinating to me is we read 3B and 4 again. Yes, 3B, I cut the scripture in half. It says, God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. 
we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You see, the word comfort is derived from the same Greek word used to describe helper. That word helper is the Greek word for parakletos, which is the very definition of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, this just got good. Watch this now. This is what Jesus says to his disciples in John 14. Remember, Jesus is starting to make his way to fulfilling the promise. He's beginning to prepare his disciples for what's about to happen. He's like, yo, guys, I'm about to bounce, but I got somebody that I'm about to send your way. And he says this in John 14, verse 26. And I'm going to read to you the amplified version because it's important to capture this. But the helper, the comforter. The advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. He will help you remember everything I have told you. And he says this, peace I leave with you. He says, I'm not going, leaving you to figure it out on your own, completely abandoned. He says, no, no, I'm going to leave you with peace, my perfect peace I give you. Not as this world gives do I give you. The world is promising you a whole lot of peace. I think there should be a couple other words that go along with that. But what God is saying or what Jesus is saying is that I want to leave you. I want to give you my perfect peace. Not as this world gives do I give. Not let your heart be troubled nor let it be afraid. In other words, do not let the weight of your trouble or fear cripple you, but drop it off tonight. And let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage to leave here in strength for every challenge that is ahead. Simply put, the helper, the comforter, the advocate has come and his role is to teach us and remind us of all the things Jesus has done. To which he says, Paul of God, that God is the merciful God. And the comforter for all things. And Jesus says, if you forget that, or you've never experienced that, then let me tell you what's about to come when I leave. My helper. My ultimate comforter. The Holy Spirit. And he's going to remind you of that miracle that you experienced. And he's going to remind you when you feel a little lonely, like right now, some of you might be feeling, he'll rescue you again. He'll remind you a couple months down the road or a year from now or two years from now or maybe when you face the next real trouble in your life, I'm going to rescue you again and again and again because I'm the comforter and I am the source of all comfort. And if you remember, as we started in the beginning of the series, to be present means that when we encounter the Spirit of God, when we are helped, comforted by Him, He does it so that we can comfort, help, or advocate for those around us. In other words, where where the Spirit of the Lord is, or where the Spirit of the Lord goes, there is freedom. There is healing. There is comfort. There is prayer and counsel. Sometimes by us, but always through us. Sometimes by us. And for a season it might be. But it will always be through us because he is the source of all comfort for us and for anyone else that God puts on our path to experience the same comfort we have. Maybe another way of saying is where the present church is, there is freedom, there is healing, 
There is prayer. There is counsel. I'm going to ask you to stand tonight as we get ready to close. Stretch your legs a little bit. Where the present church is, there is healing. There is advocacy. There's prayer. There's comfort. There's counsel. Where the present church is, there is freedom. So if he is, in fact, the source of all comfort, what affliction has God comforted you through? You see, because I believe that it is always the case that the very thing that God has graced you through or has walked you through or has comforted you through, he's given you the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to care for somebody else who's experienced, endured, or walked through the same comfort you have. And so before we close, because I want to I close with a, with a statement, I didn't want to miss an opportunity maybe for some of us here tonight who need to lay some weight who need to throw off some weight, who have been carrying around some weight. That God is asking you, he's inviting you, he's imploring you, would you just drop it tonight? Would you, would you take it off? Would you lay it down and would you trust me with it? If that's you tonight, you're, you're carrying around some weight. You're carrying around some disappointment, some hurt, some frustration, some anxiety, some worry, some fear. Maybe there's something even deeper still that you've never confessed to anyone else. That you've been holding on and holding on and holding on and holding on. And it's been killing you on the inside. It's crushing you on the inside. You're almost to the point of no turn back. Could you just tonight maybe possibly just trust him with that thing? Would you throw that weight off? If that's you tonight, I want to ask everyone to close your eyes. If that's you tonight, and you're carrying some weight around, you're ready to let it off. You're ready to shake it off. You're ready to throw it down. You're ready to leave it at the foot of the cross. Would you just do me, and would you just do God a favor, and would you just extend your hands to heaven and say, that's me. And as you're lifting your hands to heaven, just imagining you're lifting the weight off. Even if you have to do the motion, like, just pick it up off your shoulders and just lift your hand and then just open your fingers and just let it go. Release it. If that's you tonight, come on, who is that? This is just between you and the Lord. This is not, I'm not even interested in knowing specifics. If you want to share them with me, great. But, but this is, I'm not God. God is God. And he wants, to, he wants you to trust him with the weight. Not me. Not your spouse. Not your neighbor. That's probably, part, maybe part of the problem. He's been relying on man for too long to, to heal your weight or fix your weight. And maybe God is finally saying, enough's enough. Would you just trust me with it? I got you. Come on, just, just, just pick it up off your shoulders and just let it go. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, for every brave person here tonight, casting off every fear, every worry, every anxious thought, every weight that has been holding them down, crippling them, keeping them from living out the very purpose and the plan that has held them hostage, has caused them sickness, physical and emotional sickness. Father, I pray right now that it would be gone in Jesus' name. 
Father, that by their move, by their extending their hands in full surrender to you. That's what this is. I'm fully surrendering to you, God. I'm laying the weight down. No more of this out-of-the-pocket stuff. We're going all in. Come on. We're making a move. We're not just in the pocket anymore. We're not pulling our hand out. We're going all in. I'm full surrender to you, God. I want to let this weight go. I want to be healed of it. I want to experience the comfort that only you can provide. I don't want to look to the systems of this world anymore. I want to experience the fullness of your power and your healing for my life, for my marriage, for my family, for my business, for my mind, for my soul, for my heart, for my health. Everything that I ever had, God, that has ever kept me from experiencing the fullness of you, I want to let it go tonight. Come on, every weight, let it be removed in Jesus' name. Let it be released in Jesus' name. And let it be replaced with the comfort of the gracious, compassionate, merciful Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You see, as we've learned to walk through our troubled times, it is now that we are able to, to be ready to help others walk through theirs. And you see, what I've discovered is that to be still is to be comforted. To be available is to be willing to go all in. And to be ready is to be a comforter. This, my friends, is the mark of a follower of Jesus. This is the mark of a true disciple. This is the mark of a church ready to be present. And as I bring this to a close, let me remind you, church, purpose church, followers of Jesus, true disciples of who we are. And it's simply what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, but you are God's chosen treasure. You are priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of the darkness to experience His marvelous light. And now He claims you as His very own. He did this so that you would broadcast His glorious wonders throughout the world. This is who we are. A church not called to be silent or louder, but a church called to be present. Broadcasting His glorious wonders throughout the world. That's who we are, church. But we can do it because we've experienced the comfort of our Father. And now He's calling us to go and help others experience the same comfort just simply by being present in other people's lives. So Father, let, us, let, it, be, let it be done as you've planned it in heaven. Let it be done here on earth. Let your will be done. Let your plan be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen and amen.